They say a picture is worth a thousand words. And if that is true, then those who attended the most recent Faith in Life lecture by photographer Jeremy Cowart are still processing the hundreds of thousands of words they saw that Thursday evening. Jeremy has been a photographer to celebrities like Taylor Swift, Sting, and Kelly Clarkson, but that is not what he wants to be known for. He is deeply committed to listening to the whispers of God and to seeking out creative ways to use his God-given gifts to make a difference in the world. So it's all of his other work that he is most eager to share and what he most celebrates. He went to a prison and took photographs of the inmates whose last picture was their jail mugshot, and he gave each one their portrait in hopes of returning to them a little dignity, beauty, value, and self-worth. He went to Haiti after the earthquake, and he handed people a black Sharpie and something to write on and asked them, what do you want to tell the world? The messages from the people who had lost everything were honest and hope-filled. There was an image of a woman laying in her hospital bed, and her message read, Oh, the things I've seen. Another was of a young man standing in the remains of his home, and his message was, The earth may shake, but Haiti remains in my heart. And while they were there in Haiti, Jeremy and his crew were stunned to come upon a wedding taking place in the midst of all of the destruction. They asked the young couple what they would tell the world. The message from the bride and groom, dressed in their wedding clothes and standing in the debris, was simple. Love conquers all. Most recently, Jeremy went to Gatlinburg after the wildfires left homes burned to the ground. He sought out the homeowners and he asked them to return to the remains. And there, on top of the ashes, he laid a stark white mattress and asked the homeowners to lie down on it. Then, from 300 feet above, he photographed men and women and children lying in what once was their bedroom. The images are both haunting and beautiful at the same time. The brilliant white mattress against the dark ash. These were images of life and death and life again. Jeremy also shared photographs from another project called Voices of Reconciliation. He traveled to Rwanda and took photographs of genocide survivors who not only stood alongside the murderer who was responsible for a family member's death, but who they had also forgiven. Each photograph included a message from the couple. One read, love is the weapon that kills all evil, and another Forgiveness releases fear. Those two images, with permission from Jeremy, are scrolling on the monitors in the Narthex and in Fellowship Hall today. Please be sure to take a look.
And it's those two images in particular, along with their messages of reconciliation, that show the difficult, challenging, and impossible sounding words of Jesus in today's reading to be possible. You heard it read, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. That's it, <laughs> that's all. Jesus wants us to love our enemies. And what's more, in the words of C.S. Lewis, it's worth noting that Jesus doesn't say that we are to forgive other people's sins provided that they are not too frightful or provided there are some extenuating circumstances or anything of that sort. We are to forgive them all, however spiteful, however mean, however often they are repeated. Jesus wants us to love our enemies. Now having said that, let me be very clear about this. Loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you is not the same thing as diminishing or dismissing what others have done to you. It's not the same thing as saying that it's okay that someone has done harm to you. It's not the same thing as staying in an unsafe relationship or environment. It's not the same thing as saying that you like your enemy. The command here is to love, and that is a very different thing. There are four different Greek words for love. The one that is used here by Jesus is agape, which is the kind of love that God has for us. It's unconditional, undeserved, unearned, unmerited, and universal. It's a love that serves regardless of circumstances. So when Jesus says to love your enemy, he is not asking you to muster up a feeling of warmth and fondness toward one who has harmed you. As a matter of fact, loving your enemy is not about feelings at all. If it were, it would be impossible for us, right? Things like showing remorse, offering an apology, asking for forgiveness, and do justice weigh heavy in the way we feel about our enemies. When none of those is offered, our hearts remain like stone, and no matter how hard we might try, we cannot will our hearts to feel a certain way. Which is exactly why Jesus chose to use the word agape. Agape your enemies, he says. Love them without condition. Love them even when they don't deserve your love. Love them no matter what. Maybe you, like me, are having a difficult time imagining what that looks like. If so, here is another picture worth at least a thousand words. 
As Jesus' beaten body hung on the cross, he begged his Father in heaven to forgive them, saying, they know not what they do. He begged his Father to forgive his enemies, to forgive the ones who were responsible for putting him there, to forgive the unfaithful ones, the disobedient ones, and the lost ones. Jesus pled with his Father in heaven to forgive the unforgivable. C.S. Lewis explains the agape love of God in forgiveness like this. Real forgiveness, he writes, means looking steadily at the sin and seeing it in all its horror, dirt, meanness, and malice, and nevertheless, being wholly reconciled to the one who has done it. That is what has been accomplished for you on the cross. And today Jesus has asked us to love as we ourselves have been loved. How can we do it? How can we even begin to love those who have hurt us? The verse itself tells us, Matthew 5, verse 44, love your enemies, it says, and pray. Jesus tells us that when it comes to loving our enemies, we do it like this. We pray for them. We commend them to God. We turn them over to the one who demonstrated the purest form of agape for you. And not only that, but when we commend our enemies to God, we commend also our own hardened hearts. So you see, we do it then by trusting in the unfailing love of God who is always and forever at work to restore, to reconcile, and to redeem this broken world. Please know this. When you do this, when you commend your enemies to God, you will know freedom, true freedom, no longer bound by your hatred, no longer bound by your enemy, simply and completely free, free to agape, to serve God's people regardless of circumstance, free to love your enemy. In the name of Jesus, amen.